Okay, I was thinking, I'm, I'm off cue. I've been known to do that all over the country where there's somebody about to sing before I teach and I'm bounding up to the platform. So I just was looking double, triple to make sure that I wasn't supposed to stay there until someone sings a beautiful song, usually a song that makes me cry, and then I have to come up here and wipe off my makeup and teach. Good morning. How many of you have never heard of Francie Taylor? Be honest, in your life. Let me see your hands. Look at all those hands. So to you, I'm Francie. Who? I know. And here's what we're going to do. Before I get into this lesson about the war in the mind, I thought it would be really good if we could get to know each other in a really brief game called Are You My Sister? And here's how the game works. I'm going to make a statement, and if it's true of you, when I say, Are You My Sister?, I want you to say, yes, with a really high voice. And if it's nothing like you, I want you to say, no, with a really deep voice so we can tell the difference. Let's practice the yes. Ready? Yes! Now let's hear the no. No. That voice of rebellion. That's it. That's perfect. Okay. And you guys are really practiced at that when I can tell how you said it. So here it is. Now remember, don't answer until I say, are you my sister? Number one. I hate it when I'm being stalked for my parking spot in the parking lot, the car following you. Are you my sister? I know. So let me help you with that one. I figure if I give you one good philosophical thing today, here it is. When this happens to you, you get in your car and you just sit there till one of you dies. (laughs) See how it goes. And if they toot the horn, start doing your nails. I mean, really, honestly. I just don't. So it sounds like we're related on that one. Okay, number two out of three. I don't want to hear about somebody's diet plan when I go out to eat at a restaurant. Are you my sister? Okay, because I might be going out to dinner with you later. And so you'll know this now. Don't be bringing up your keto, wito, expleto, and all those others. Don't bring it up at the table at a restaurant. Totally spoils the vibe. I was out with this massive group of post-conference ladies and the basket of onion rings arrived. It's like, look, the manna's here. And what in the world happened? But somebody said, I don't eat those. That's how I lost 35 pounds. And I said, I'll eat yours. So now, okay, I can see we're related on that one. Did I ask you for your we're sisters on that one, right? Yes. Last one, and then we're done getting to know each other. We're going to pray and start. I love that moment when you pull up to the traffic light next to the car that blew by you doing 90. Are you my sister? Yeah. Oh, you blew dry my hair with that answer. I know. I know, but let me warn you. Now, road rage is real, so don't you look in their car and go, <laughs> don't. Don't do that. Don't do that because it could get really messy. We'll be seeing you on the 6 o'clock news, so don't, don't. Okay, how many got at least two out of three? The room. Okay, so we're sisters by another mother. So now we know we can get started. Now I'm not a stranger to you, and I'm going to give you a prayer request right out the front before I get started. I have a little bit of a tickle in my throat that started bothering me when I walked through the double doors. Are we surprised? So I want you to pray that the Lord will just protect my voice throughout this teaching day because there's three lessons and we're only on number one. And I appreciate your prayers on that. And then we're going to get right into this. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, it's so good to be here with this room full of sister friends. This feels like a very, very divine assignment, Lord, for all of us. You're going to give us something out of your word today. And it was there all along. But you do it like that, Lord. We're reading our Bibles daily, and sometimes we go right past a spot, and then you catch us at the time when you want us to see this. I know that you're going to teach us from your truth. And Lord, I just pray that you would strengthen us and help us to apply what we learn, not just to take notes, not just to say that was good, but to actually walk it, Lord. Please give us the grace to do that. We ask you for your Holy Spirit power on this entire day. We commit our works unto you, Lord. Establish our thoughts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
well, there's a war going on in the mines, and it's really all humanity. I'm sure you've noticed it. I'm sure you've noticed how this is a more fretful, intense time to be alive, and that people seem to be under a continuous stream of very abnormal pressure and stress and things that are attacking starting here. This is as old as the Old Testament because once a person is born again, one thing the enemy can't do, and you know this, is he can't, he can't take your soul to hell. When you belong to the Lord, and thank the Lord that we do, but if what I'm about to say is not true of you, that's why you're here today. There was a time when somebody would say something like, if you belong to the Lord, I didn't know what that meant. There was a time in my life where I had no idea what someone was talking about when they said that. But am I ever grateful that one day in a job interview, someone took a Bible and started showing me from scripture that I needed a savior. I already knew I had messed up life. I had made so many messes it, it seemed illegal. But nobody told me how to stop making the messes until the day I was sitting in a job interview and a gentle soul took out a Bible and actually walked through verse by verse with me in slow motion, saying things to me like this, Francis, did you know there's none righteous, no, not one? And I said, no, I don't even know what that means. And he said, well, Francis, it means we're all the same. So if you're in this room and somebody brought you and you don't know what would happen if your pulse stopped at bedtime tonight, they brought you on purpose. You're going to hear more about the gospel throughout this day on purpose. But somebody brought you because they love you very much just like that day in that job interview, that total stranger loved me as a stranger because God said to love people and then shared the gospel boldly with me. And I'll never forget, and the verse to this day that is still my favorite verse is in Romans 10, 13 that says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when somebody asks you, are you saved? They're not asking you a man-made question. That's not a man-made term. They're asking you a Bible question. And if you don't have a Bible answer, don't feel bad about that. That's what these things are for. You're here by design. So that's to those of you who don't know for sure, but those of you who do know, you're also here by design. Because God knows your questions, and I don't. He also knows what war is going on in your mind. And I don't. I have no idea. A war is made up of several battles. And all throughout our lives, we're going to have multiple battles for the territory of our minds because the enemy knows that once we're born again we belong to God so he's going to have to settle for trying to mess us up with what's left of our lives he can't he can't have our souls but if we let him he can have some patches of ground in our minds and that's why we want to be so careful about our minds because this is important territory struggles with the thought life are directly related to the war in the mind. And so it's not surprising that people feel like, ah, something is off, something is wrong. A spiritually healthy mind is focused on the things of the Lord and sticking to the truth like superglue. A carnal mind is thinking of drama and all the crazy stuff going on, daily details consumed with things that are anything but God. You know where you are, and you know what's been going on in your life. You also know whether or not you've actually been caring for yourself properly. There's so much that people say today about self-care. Self-care is a big, hot topic, but one of the things that's often left out of self-care is feeding the soul. When you love your soul, like Scripture says to love your soul, you'll feed it from the Word, and you'll literally feast on the Word daily. So for some of you here today, maybe you've gone days on a starvation diet in your soul. Can I just tell you, don't be surprised then when you feel uneasy or upset easily or like there's just no settled territory on earth. That's a result of spiritual starvation. That's not actually your circumstances. That's internal. We don't do well without the Word of God. We're horrible without it. We weren't meant to live without it. And so we're going to look at four things 
in this lesson, four things that will help us to be spiritually minded in a carnally minded world. We're living in a time where it's really popular to be carnally minded, but can't we see it's not working for anybody to be carnally minded? Turn your Bibles to Romans 8, 6, and that's going to be our opening text. And if you didn't bring a Bible, it's on the screen so we can read it together out loud. Because I'd like us to read this opening verse all together and not with robot voices. <laughs> Use your I'm talking, I'm speaking God's word voice, all right? Ready? Begin. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnally minded means we're going to be guided by our flesh and our thoughts and our purposes. Spiritually minded means we're guided by the Holy Spirit and his thoughts and his purposes. And that death that it's talking about is death of the soul. But it's an alienation kind of death where we're separated from God, where you've got a distance between you and God, and he didn't put it there. Always remember that if you ever feel distant from God, he didn't move. And so we have to be clear, but in order to be clear in our thinking, we need scripture. So let's look at these four things that are, these are four ways, and not the only ways, but four ways. And I think I cut off, or did I? Am I? Can you hear me? If anything happens with the sound, we have this fantastic team back here. I met them, so I know they're, they're like experts in their field. I think they work for NASA or something in their spare time. <laughs> and so they're going to cover us. But if it happens that the sound does something weird and you're in the back, just wave at me, and then I'll wave at them, and they'll take care of it. It's just like magic. Yeah. All right. Number one, if you're taking notes, follow God's prescription for restored peace. Follow God's prescription for restored peace. And you'll see on your handouts that I have scripture reference underneath each one, so you can feel free to turn ahead in your Bible to that, or it's also going to be on the screen, so you get a choice there. I want to take a tiger time out before I go diving into number one. Could I say this to you? As far as taking notes is concerned, treat it as optional. You can take notes, but nobody's going to judge you if you don't. And if they do, you just tell me about it, and I'll get to it. It's Saturday morning, most of you worked all week. I'm going to guess that there would be some of you that you got out of bed earlier than you normally do on a Saturday and got dressed and put on the powder and paint, make a woman what she ain't. <laughs> we did all of that and we're here now. This day is meant to be, I know Crystal did it this way, she designed the kind of day and her ladies here that was meant to be retreat-like. So you don't have to write down everything I say. You don't have to take any notes at all if you don't want to, but let me make a suggestion to you that I make all over the country. Ask God to give you your this and jot that. And you'll know it. You'll know, oh, oh this is mine. Write that down. Because honestly, let's be real, come on. What do you really do with all those notes you take? <laughs> I know what I do with mine. Bet you do the same, so you don't have to feel obligated. I just wanted you to relax and know that. But you'll see the scripture reference. You can turn to it or follow along on the screen. But our scripture related to number one is actually that letter that Paul wrote in Philippians where he said, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Then the peace comes, right? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's a lot of key wording in there. That verse is loaded. But basically, I'm going to give you three little bullet points to keep in mind under number one. First of all, talk openly to God. He is as real as the person sitting next to you right now. So if you've had it in your mind that he's something somewhere far away, he is as real as the person whose shoulder is touching yours right now. He is that real. So talk openly to him. Don't feel like you need to come to him with a script. Don't feel like your wording has to be special. Be real with God. He already knows what you're thinking. You don't have to word it a special way. He just wants to hear from his children. And aren't you glad? Don't you love that God never gets tired of hearing from us? Because I don't know about you all, 
but I'm going to be 66 in February. On February 21st, by the way, in case you needed to know to send a gift card. <laughs> the address is at keeptheheart.com. Send it. I love gift cards. You can never, ever, they fit everyone. How can you go wrong? But anyway, I'm going to be 66, and I noticed that there's some differences in my processing plant, some cognitive changes, undeniable ones. One of them is this. I repeat myself. One of them is this. I repeat myself. And I'm not aware of it. And then there's like a little alarm that goes back in the back of my head. You did say that before. Ask them. And so then I'll ask, did I already tell you that? And I want to know why some of you are so patient that you'll listen to the same thing twice. Help us out here. Say, honey, you already told me that. I can take it. I can take it. So can others. But, but there's these changes that take place. And, and so we have, I'm not even sure what I'm telling you. I had to go back to the notes to see why I was telling you that. Oh, I know why. I know why. This was why I told you that. Because when we're talking to God, we can repeat ourselves. Have you ever came to God with the same prayer request over and over and over? Are you wearing him out? No. Isn't it the best ever, sister friends? He doesn't mind that we're repeating ourselves. You can go boldly before the throne of grace with your requests again and again, better than you rambling them around up here and worrying. And so God doesn't mind. Talk openly to him. He doesn't mind hearing about that. If you're worrying about something right now, maybe driving in here you were worrying about something. Maybe last week something was plaguing your thoughts. That's part of the war of the mind. The enemy loves to torment people because that's one of his tools. It's one of his power tools. And fear hath torment. Scripture says so. And so when we're worrying about something, it's going to lead to fear. And then that fear is going to become like being stuck in a ditch with your car rolled over and you can't get out. God can get you out. Give that to him. Listen, if it's worth worrying about, you know it's worth praying about. So go ahead and skip all that energy expended on worrying and take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just wondering what you're going to do with this. Isn't it better? He can do something with it. We do have some I can'ts. We really do. He doesn't. I love that there's nothing that's too hard for him. Another thing to consider under number one, realize that peace and trust are connected. We, we can't disconnect them because they're not disconnected in Scripture. The peace of God that passeth all understanding comes after we've let those requests be made known to God. And if we're going to give God our requests, that means we trust him with those. But do we? Or do we give it to him and then still continue to worry? If we give God a prayer request and then continue to worry, we're not actually trusting him. So just tell yourself the truth there, all right? I have to clean the clock of Francie Taylor frequently because she tries to do the, the double. I'm going to pray and worry. As if worrying is going to fix something, have you worried your way to a solution yet? It doesn't happen. So why do we do that? Because we're human. He knoweth. Don't you love that verse that says, As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Mighty organized piles of dust, huh? But we are dust. He knows our tendencies and how we're frail and how we will default to worry rather than defaulting to trust. Don't you wish your automatic response was trust? Me too, but it's not. So then we have to make ourselves mind. And you know what? It's an interesting thing about that. We think we can't tell ourselves what to do, but we'll tell children what to do and they obey most of the time. But we expect it. We automatically expect, I gave instructions, this child's going to follow it. 
why won't we even follow an instruction from our very own selves that's based on scripture? Case in point, Proverbs 25, 28 says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. Okay, so if God wants us to rule over our own spirit, basically that's the scripture saying, I want you to tell yourself what to do here. Tell yourself the truth and then follow it. So why won't we? Don't believe the enemy lie that we don't have the ability. Don't believe that. We, personally through Christ, have unlimited abilities. But it's because of Christ. It's not us. Get out of the way. We have to get ourselves out of the way. Because we, when we're tangling ourselves up in our own shoelaces. We're thinking that it does depend on us. Even the ruling over our own spirit is learned through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through the power of the self. This isn't self-improvement. This is Holy Spirit transforming by the renewing of the mind. So the next time you catch yourself in that fretting mode, you get to tell yourself, no, stop. We gave that to the Lord in prayer. Now let's go to our other thoughts and then move yourself along and have something else to think about. Move on. You do have the ability to do that because God gave it to you. God gives us this power. We don't have it in ourselves. We don't have to worry about not having it in ourselves. He equips us. He supplies it. So commit to trusting God. Otherwise, you're going to have a disconnect between your peace and your trust. And finally, under number one, give your thoughts a break now and then. Sometimes you're always on. Have you felt it? Are any of you in here, are, I bet there's only going to be like two hands. Is there anybody in here who shuts their cell phone off for a day happily? and leaves it off. May I see your hands? Okay, yeah, like, okay, one, two, three, and a half, four. Okay, yeah. Okay, what, what in the world? That means the rest of you are always on. You are on 24-7, and you wonder why your, your mind is worn out. We were never meant to live like this, and I see enough heads in the room that have gray hair like mine, and don't be fooled by the Kool-Aid that's on this hair. <laughs> I know there are ladies in this room that can remember when the phone didn't fit in your purse. <laughs> and it was actually attached to the wall or sitting on a coffee table. And it had a little coil and for some of us, push buttons, and for the Wayback crowd, dials. <laughs> now what do we have? Handheld computers that go with us everywhere, and here's something spooky, they even listen to you. I, 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 was, I was not in the loop on that part, it took me a while because I am very tech savvy. I have to understand technology because of keep the heart. But I don't keep up on everything and I don't feel bad about it. But one morning I was talking out loud, loud, out loud to God. And my phone was on my nightstand and it said, I don't understand that command. <laughs> I was so... Bell, it scared me half to death. I picked up that phone and I started digging deep, like let me find how to turn off all of the listening stuff. And I was in there a while, but I got it all shut down. Now it's always telling me when I turn my phone on, you are not connected to this, 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 this. Yeah, I know. Because you're a spy. Yeah, but I mean, these things aren't supposed to be that much in our lives. They really aren't. But here's how people live now, and then they wonder why their minds are so, so lacking peace. Phone rings, got to answer it. Text comes through, got to read it. Got to respond now. Driving, got to hit the text. Lay down at night, phone vibrates, got to check it. Wake up in the morning, grab the Bible. Grab the brick, which is a ball in a chain that's 
keeping so many people in bondage. Take another look at your cell phone and decide how much that thing is going to have power over your life and start pulling back some of that power. And you'll restore some of your peace because your mind needs some off time, sister friends. We were not meant to live like that. The world does, and they're gonna come up with more ways. I mean, you've seen the glasses, right, that can talk to you? The glasses that have the phone connected, have you seen them? Stop it. <laughs> so now we're gonna wear a phone connected to our brain? This is just bizarre. Do not jump headlong into this and embrace it like it's a friend. It's actually disturbing your peace. Grab back some of that territory, turn that off sometimes, and just give yourself a break so that God can speak to you in quiet. The brain break stops your mind from churning. I have a brain break every time I go to the ocean and go shelling. Are there any shellers in here? All the lot of hands, shelling party, shelling party. We can have one next week. So I honestly am so in mad love. Crystal's already taken me shelling, and I think she's trying to get me to move here. I'm not sure, but it's looking really <laughs> suspicious. She's done a lot of things that have, have a funny mark about them. But I, I definitely, on a quiet morning, walking the beach, listening to the voice of the Lord, which is on the many waters, hearing that water, and then picking up shells and thinking about the fact that a little critter used to live in there and that that was their home and that this is my shell that I'm walking around in and one day I won't need this anymore. I'm going to drop this and go to the Lord like that little critter doesn't live in there anymore. It's an amazing thing, but you have a place. You have a place that makes you calm and quiet. Carve out some time so that you can have some time to just be quiet, you and the Lord. It will help restore your peace. Well, number two out of four, realize that thoughts require management. Thoughts do. They really require management. And you know the passage of Scripture from 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through, the, through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There were so many instructional things that the Apostle Paul was allowed by God to write in his letters to these churches. But in this case, he was getting after them about that, that need, that definite need to be careful about understanding that we've got a war going on in the mind here. But our weapons are different than what the world would use. We can't physically shoot at the enemy and hit him. But we can pull down those strongholds by the power of God. We can cast down those crazy vain imaginations. There, sometimes there's things that we're thinking and nobody else is even thinking that. But we think they are. Those imaginations, that's not how we have to live. That all can be brought into captivity. I love it to the obedience of Christ. So a few things to remember under number two. First of all, don't allow your imagination to be the driver. Just stop that loud, noisy head. And everybody's got one. I mean, a noisy head is kind of like armpits. Everybody's got them. Sometimes they stink. <laughs> telling you, do you ever get tired of your head telling you stuff that's not helping you at all? then you've experienced this verse and why we need this. Don't let those imaginations be the driver. Here's an example. You imagine that someone is angry with you over an issue, but the two of you haven't actually even spoken about it, so you're really only making up the storyline in your own head. I know she doesn't like me. Oh, because you talked and she said that? No. <laughs> Not at all. My imagination said so. Our imaginations can go into places where they don't belong and say things that aren't true and can't be proven. So don't let your imagination drive. Don't get it out of the driver's seat. Also under number two, develop healthy thoughts about yourself. Because once again, here's where we can get off into territory that's not biblical. And thinking negative thoughts about yourself 
is actually not to help you improve yourself. It's destructive. All right, here's the thing. Are we going to argue with God? Sometimes we do. But if he said we're fearfully and wonderfully made, why would you criticize yourself then? Why do you look in the mirror and say terrible things? Because you've forgotten the truth that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's another trick of the enemy to try to get us trapped in a loop where we're in a downward spiral where we feel like, okay, I, I'm really, this is so bad. I am so bad. And so then we get worse instead of better. God doesn't want you talking to yourself like that, child of a king. He doesn't want you making negative comments about your physical appearance or negative comments about your intellect or negative comments about your personality. He doesn't want you criticizing, I don't have gifts like so-and-so. None of that. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous. He calls, he calls us marvelous. We better stop arguing with him then. If he said marvelous, then marvelous it is. So what are you criticizing yourself about? Everyone's got something. I want you to jot yourself a note that has two words. Stop it. <laughs> Not hard to remember. No matter what it is you've been picking on yourself about, God wants you to let him have your thoughts, and he will trade you with this, fearfully and wonderfully made. And about the soul carriage thing that everybody's always trying to do stuff to, how about this? Instead of going on the next diet, because there's going to be a new one out next week, just wait. <laughs> Instead of joining your friends on some Instagram challenge where you're all going to um, work yourselves to a, a, a horrified sweat and then you won't touch gym equipment for a year, instead of all that stuff, how about go to the Lord and say, Lord, how would you like me to take care of myself? And then yield. Just yield. Well, how would you like me to take care of myself, Lord? How would you like me to eat? How would you like me to exercise? How, how would you like me to sleep? He would like you to sleep. Some of you, you know that you're guilty as charged when I say you stay up too late. And boy, oh boy, does that ever make a pleasant woman the next day. <laughs> Develop these healthy, healthy thoughts about yourself, but you're going to have to go to the Lord to have him help you with that. And finally, under number two, ask yourself if God would be pleased with your thoughts. It's, it's an important question, because sometimes we are allowing ourselves to think things that would never make God smile. What is your thought life like? That's the interior you. It's the one that I can't hear. Your sister friends can't hear it. Your family can't hear it. But God hears those thoughts. He can actually read our thoughts and knows our thoughts before we think them. So what's yours like? It's very important that we are not engaging on a regular basis in thoughts that would not be pleasing to God, no matter what those thoughts are, no matter what they are. Every wrong action started with a wrong thought. How does a person become so selfish? Because they're always thinking about themselves. How does a person end up in an immoral situation? Because they were entertaining, entertaining fantasies about getting into an immoral situation. How does a person become dishonest where they think that it's okay for them to steal something even from their own church because they were first plotting it here? What's going on in your thought life? I would guess that 100% of us need to go daily to the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive us for our thoughts. And then we can ask him to create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Because he can do that. We can also pray, Lord, please transform me by the renewing of my mind. He can do that. 
And then we won't be struggling. We need to surrender our thought life to Christ. Number three out of four, beware of becoming double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We know James 1.8. Here's the thing feed a double mind. Overexposure to worldly philosophies. That will help you become double-minded. So if you're constantly exposing yourself to the way the world thinks at the same time that you're starving yourself biblically, you are going to become worldly-minded. This is how we get Christians who start rationalizing things that are unbiblical. This is how we get Christians who used to walk closely with the Lord and then suddenly started drifting away from him because what's coming in is worldly and it has no word of God to speak the truth and counteract it. It's really hard to live the Christian life without the Bible, sister friends. Can I just tell you that right now? I'm going to bring it up again, too. But can I just say that if you're not studying your Bible daily, you are leaving yourself so wide open, so vulnerable to attack. And it'll be through the territory of your mind. It is really, really hard to live the Christian life on a starvation spiritual diet where you are only opening your Bible when you come to church on Sunday and when you come to church on Wednesday and the rest of the time you're on your phone. If you've been struggling and you're sitting here listening to me now, now you know why. But the great thing about that is you also get to fix it. I'm so excited. I get excited when I get a chance to teach. These lessons are humble little stuff written by a delivery girl. I don't think I'm anybody. I know who I really am. I know who God saved. So I have no delusions here. But I get excited when he gives me something to share. It's like, oh, I can't wait to, here, here. Oh, you don't want to eat? Okay. And that's every conference. There's going to always be people in the room that are listening but it's going to be like this kind of listening. Ah. Then there are going to be ones in the room who are sitting here thinking, I knew that. I just wasn't doing that. And that's probably the vast majority of this room. You know that you need to meet with God daily, but some of you just haven't been doing it. It's what we consider a pet sin, you know, pet sins are the ones that you keep on a leash and you walk them like a dog and you let them be in your life, but they're sin. We need God. We need his word. It's how he instructs us and it's how he keeps us from being double-minded. If you're overexposed to worldly philosophies, then you're feeding your mind a steady diet of unbiblical worldviews and it's going to make you wrestle with God. Your social media tools that I am not anti-social media because keep the heart is on social media. That's how I can put the Bible all over social media because that's what I do with it. Love just plastering it with a Bible verse and a little, little mini devotional thought to go with it. I know there's unbelievers reading my page. Now how come I, some of them I know who they are? Some of them I don't know who they are. But you never know who's reading your page either. What's on your page? Would it help anybody? Would it steer anybody in the direction of Christ? Or is it just a like running selfie theme? Be careful about social media. It's training people to become narcissists. It's the I Me Club on steroids. Use it sparingly and use it wisely because this is affecting and infecting our minds. All of us are influenced this way. Another way that we become double-minded is if we lack wisdom. And this I talked to you about a minute ago, but we lack wisdom when we're not in the Word of God. And then when we lack wisdom, we handle matters unwisely because we didn't know how to handle them wisely. He that handleth the matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. So, the scripture tells us that handling a matter wisely leads to good. Handling matters unwisely, we already know where that goes. 
But here's why we handle matters unwisely, because we lack wisdom. And if we lack wisdom, all we have to do is go to God's word. And then he is happy to pour it on. He wants to fill us with wisdom so that we'll not only know how to live this life and walk it out, but how to properly love and interact with other people. Do you have strife between you and someone that's close in your life? Directly related to a lack of wisdom. God can teach you how to live in that situation. God can even teach us how to live with people that are thorny. Abigail did. Abigail is one of the only women in Scripture ever recorded that lived with a man that the Bible called churlish. And that word churlish in the Old Testament translates into brute beast. She lived with a brute beast. But there are people today who live together and they think, I can't do this. Yes, you can, but wisely. You have to have a strategy. The Bible also tells us that Abigail was a woman of good understanding. How'd she get that? She had access. When a person knows God, there's a lot of things that we will handle differently because of what he teaches us. But when you're not in the word, you don't know your very own God. And if you don't know him, you're sure not going to resemble him because you don't know what he's like. This is really important. The lack of wisdom is so, so damaging us. So let me give you a challenge. For the next 90 days, if you're on board with this challenge, I want you to commit to if you have not been reading your Bible daily. Now, some of you already are reading your Bible, so you're already there. But for those of you who have still been wrestling with this issue of being in and out of the Bible, I want you to take 90 days and read the proverb of the day. What is the date today? Some of you didn't know. <laughs> Me either, so I can't talk about you. because when I, when I get on an airplane, I don't know what time zone I'm in, what day it is. I just make sure I show up. But here you go. So it's the 20th, before bedtime, if you haven't read your Bible, you still got plenty of hours to read Proverbs chapter 20. And tomorrow you'll read Proverbs chapter, you'll keep doing that for 90 days. Well, wait a minute, haven't we heard that it only takes 21 days to build a habit? Yeah, we've heard that. I find it's not always true. We need more time. Some of us need the training wheels on the bike longer than 21 days. Go for 90 days. At the end of three months, I get email about this all the time. At the end of three months, nobody's going to have to tell you read your Bible. You and God are going to be addicted. You will want to meet with him. In fact, you're going to be surprised at how you can't wait to hear what he's going to say to you that day. Then you're going to be sometimes laughing out loud when something happens and you know what to do because you saw that that morning in Scripture. Ha, I mean, real. God's so real with us. He's so real with us. He does stuff like this. On the 10th of next month, somebody is going to get in your face and say something smart mouth. And your mind, because you equipped it with scripture that morning, is going to say, I'm going to do a Proverbs 10:19 on that. <laughs> in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise and you're going to lock your lips with a key, throw that key away, let them say what they said, and you're not getting into that. Because God taught you how to handle that wisely, and guess what? Then you don't have any cleanup on aisle nine, because you didn't make a mess. See, here's how we are. Our human nature is, she said that, well, I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. And then you got less mind left, you knew it. And we'll go toe-to-toe -to -toe with someone. They say something, we'll say something harder. They say something, we got something ready. They're talking, we're thinking of our next thing we're going to say, we're not even listening anymore. God doesn't want us to live like that. Do you know how short this life is? Do you really believe the Bible? Because if you do, then you believe it when it says it's a vapor. Appears for a little while and then poof, vanisheth away. In this neck of the woods, you don't get cold enough to see vapor in the air. It's a beautiful thing. Don't move. 
but I'm from Minnesota before I moved to Pensacola, and you could see your breath in the air. Remember, Belle, when we used to go outside and our noses would freeze? Yeah, I'm telling you what, it gets so cold up in, northern, in, in Minnesota that they warn you to cover all exposed skin, otherwise it will get frostbite. Air temperature below zero was normal in the wintertime, below zero. Below zero is not for humans. When we lived there, we survived it. Yeah, but man, it messed up my tan. I had to get out of the air. Whoa, 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 I'm still having flashbacks. But we have the ability to handle matters wisely when we have wisdom. And finally, under number three, influences from people in our inner circle. That'll make you double-minded. Be careful who's in your inner circle because close friends or people that you may be following on Instagram, they may not be leading you in truth. If somebody's saying something to you that's not the truth, you do not want to listen. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge, it says in Proverbs 19.27. You don't want to follow people more closely than you're following God. And finally, number four, let the mind of Christ be in you. And I love this passage. This is beautiful. Such a description of Jesus and what he was like. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's just break that down briefly. The mind of Christ was demonstrated like this. He made himself of no reputation. What do we do? We try to impress people. Already off to a bad start. When, we, when you're trying to impress someone, the focus is on self, and that's not like Christ. What else did he do? Took on the form of a servant. Since I've been here, and I got in on Tuesday, I've met just servant after servant after servant after servant, including the chief servant who was up here, Pastor. Which, incidentally, Pastor had jeans on. Wow! I've never seen a pastor in jeans. Well, maybe it's a Saturday. But most of the time I'm in a church and the pastor has his whole suit on, and I'm thinking, why has he got his suit on on Saturday? But I thought, oh, Pastor, tell Pastor, I said, he's pretty cool beans. Yeah. Cool beans and jeans at right. Yeah, yeah. But he's a servant. I heard his Wednesday night lesson, and servant poured out to the fellow servants in a way where we all walked away ready to go serve. That's the mind of Christ. What else did he do? He humbled himself. Humility is not natural to us. We even make driving a competition. No, they are not changing lanes in front of me. You know, we are not naturally humble. If we want to be like Christ, this is going to have to be developed. What else did he do? Christ obediently suffered the death of the cross. We don't want to suffer anything. We hate suffering. Well, if you're going to be like Jesus, you're going to have to learn to change your mind about that because suffering is part of Christ's likeness. And if we're going to be big babies over every time something doesn't go the way we wanted it to go, we're actually rejecting the ability to become more like Jesus. Obedient suffering is something that's learned and practiced. You're going to get another opportunity probably this week, maybe even today. Something you don't like it, and you will not be able to return it to Amazon. You will have to walk through it. Talk to yourself. Speak the truth to yourself and tell yourself, this is just going to make me more like Jesus. This suffering is going to make me more like Christ. In other words, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes, as it says in Psalm 119.71. This affliction, I don't like it. Be honest. You don't have to be fake with God. I don't like this, Lord. But if it's going to make me more like you, I'm walking it. And it will. 
And finally, we see in Luke 19.10, Jesus had a laser focus. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Are we like that? You're going to have a, a, an encounter with someone today. Some of you are lunching here. Some of you are going to go lunch out. But are you always on the lookout for an encounter that God might turn into a gospel opportunity? Because you just don't know. But he may do that this very day. Or tomorrow they may be, there may be a visitor at your church and you can tell that they, they don't know what in the world's going on. Would you let them sit with you? And would you find out something about them? Or maybe you've been going to a nail salon forever where you know everybody in the salon by name. Do any of them know that you're a Christian? Have any of them gotten a track with their great big tip? Because you give great big tips, right? Don't give little tips. If your tip won't buy a cup of coffee, your tip's too small. So I don't care what the tab was, don't let the tip be too small. Well, I'm going to give her 10% of, of, of $10. Ah, uh, uh, stay home. <laughs> if you're stingy, stay home. Yeah, there's no, you don't have to tip at home, but if you're going out in public, 20% is not unreasonable in this economy. But more importantly, if you're giving it with a track, don't ever be stingy. But are you looking for those opportunities that makes you more like Christ? Some of you are going to take that 90-day Bible challenge, and I want you to write to me at keeptheheartgmail.com, and I want you to tell me after 90 days what God did in your life. That's keeptheheartgmail.com. That is not a counseling hotline. So I'm just going to head you off at the pass right here because I know humankind. Do not write to me with a big, long story about something. At the end of 90 days, write and tell me how the Lord transformed you by the renewing of your mind because you took that 90-day challenge to be in the Word daily. In closing, Romans chapter 8, verses 6 through 7 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We need to be reminded that the carnal mind is against God. We don't want to be in that position. We want to be in the position where we're doing what God wants, not in opposition to God. The war of the mind is too hard for us to manage on our own. So we're going to have to surrender our thoughts to God. And then we're also going to need to nourish our souls daily through his word. Then we're going to experience that peace that passes understanding. This is a choice we can choose wisely. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've given us the opportunity to nourish ourselves through your word. Thank you that you also protect and guard us that way. I pray that you'd help each one of us all throughout this day to be yielded to you, open to your Holy Spirit, willing to change anything you want to touch, and allowing you to work in our lives by transforming us by the renewing of our minds. We thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for saving our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, sister friends.